0: This week on The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature.
1: Real food is food that nourishes the body, the earth, and it nourishes people, both those that eat and those that produce. The logic of real food is respect and balance.
0: I'm Neil Harvey. Please join us this week for Radical Patriotism, Growing Growers and Seeding Leaders for a Real Food Future on The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. What happens when green turns to gray? The average age of the American farmer is about 60 years old. In 1993, the Census Bureau stopped even counting Americans living on farms when that percentage dipped below 2%. In that year, the total number of farmers was 4.6 million. The number of farmers has been in free fall, plummeting by more than half in just 20 years. Of the 2 million farmers still living on the land, still bringing field crops to our tables, fewer than 5% are under 45 years old. When green turns to gray, who will grow our food? In the face of these dire statistics, the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture addressed the U.S. Senate and called for 100,000 new farmers to revitalize rural landscapes and to invigorate urban food production. For many reasons, including not least the loss of farmers, the current corporate industrial food system is unsustainable. So what will our future food system look like? Who will be the face of farming? This is radical patriotism, growing growers, and seeding leaders for a real food future. With young farmers Severin von Scharner Fleming, Tyler Webb, and Sarita Roll Schaefer, urban food innovator Nikki Henderson from People's Grocery, and real food advocate Anim Steele. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. In the 1960s, while farmers were increasingly being driven off the land by the intense corporatization of agriculture, a seed head of back-to-the-landers dispersed around the United States. They seeded what became the organic food sector. As green has turned to gray, today these agricultural pathfinders are the elders for a new generation of innovation and social change. Young farmers, food entrepreneurs, and advocates for food justice are turning the crank of the evolutionary spiral. With it, they're deliberately reinventing a radical patriotism founded in a return to local agriculture and community.
2: And I'm a farmer, I'm a young farmer, and I'm here to tell you about explosive movement that's going on around this country. Very hard working young people, as I like to say, working like dogs and eating like kings. It's a very practical set of people that I'm sure you'd like to hang out with.
0: Severin von Scharner Fleming spent a year with America's Next Generation Farmers making a documentary film titled The Greenhorns. Her project sprouted into more than a film. It has become an emerging movement as well as a nonprofit organization called Greenhorns that provides multimedia resources, social networking, and training. Severin herself farms in New York's storied Hudson Valley she spoke on the subject of growing growers and the 100,000 New Farmers Challenge at a recent Bioneers conference.
2: The first question is, why farm? Conventional wisdom would say, oh, it's terribly drudgery, drudgery. One reason is living your life outside, living your life with having a quiet mind, caring for the land, spending a lot of time with one place and in commitment with that one place. Another reason is that it's hard. In a culture that's driven by consumerism and, you know, zoom-in, zoom-out iPhone culture, doing something that's really challenging physically, culturally, emotionally has a real appeal. The big project, obviously, is re-regionalizing our food supply. So the agriculture that we're working on here as a team of radical entrepreneurs is an agriculture which involves diverse stakeholders, which functions at many different scales, and which seeks to produce food, particularly meat, vegetables, fruit, wheat, closer to where they're consumed. That also means processing must be relocalized. Cheese making, pickle factories, juice pressing, cold storage, yogurt. You know, in many places, the buildings and equipment is still there. In this culture of young farmers, there is tremendous punk spirit. We are, just all of us, starting institutions you wouldn't believe. So you have biodynamic compost workshops, distribution workshop, pasture walk, small grain, harvesting wheat, yoking oxen, threshing oats, farming with horses, foraging, dairy, honey, tying knots, butchery. You know, Greenhorns, which is a group I've started, we are very focused on these mixers. 97 mixers around the country focusing on the work songs. Obviously, we embrace technology, if not GMOs. We do embrace bicycle-powered spit roasting. We did a workshop called It Takes a Village to Make a Sausage. <laughs> and we had organic beer, but we did it on a conventional apple farm in their shed. Unsurprisingly, this is a movement that has a lot of women in it women not necessarily coming from a farm background. There are precedents, historical precedents, for people coming from non-farming backgrounds entering agriculture. So in Vermont, there's a great statistic, the fastest-growing demographic in Vermont agriculture is young women under the age of 25. So, yeah. And so these young women and young men are flocking to places like Vermont in order to be trained by our elders in this movement, our predecessors, our cherished teachers who have in the time before the internet founded the organic movement, regional groups all over the country, these networks which are only one generation old which have indeed nurtured us and trained us up to take on this
0: job. The Greenhorns website is a thriving network hub for young farmers and their supporters Online resources include a farm mapping project and job listings, as well as the popular downloadable Beginner's Guide to Farming, and a podcast archive of interviews of young farmers from Severin's weekly radio show.
2: Ultimately, it's about food and understanding the explosive potential of controlling your own food supply and holding fast to the traditions and also the future of that food supply Our mission is clear. We are here to serve our country food. We are patriotic in a very radical sense, and we express our patriotism in a very practical way. These are old ideas. This is an old practice, this farming business. Yoking yourself to the task at hand made sense at the founding of our nation, a nation based on the principles of self-sufficiency, self-determination. We have barns still standing, barely beautiful barns that were built from virgin timbers by people who were very in touch with the utopia they were building, this American democracy. And I would say that the spirit of the young farmers today is similarly in touch with that utopia, and we're ready.
0: (laughs) Severin von Scharner Fleming. With many others, she shares the grandeur of the vision of a radical patriotism to serve the country food, that is, while building food self-sufficiency and self-determination. Tyler Webb is a young dairy farmer from Franklin County, Vermont. During the summer break from his graduate studies in agronomy and grazing management at University of Vermont, Webb's advisor gave him a choice. Sit in the lab and count fecal parasites and sheep turds, or get out there and just start farming. Webb decided to rent 40 acres of pasture near Burlington for a small herd of dairy cows. He got hooked immediately. He loved working outside. Now his teachers were cows, and they started grading him strictly and in real time.
3: There's something amazing about dairy cow will tell you every day when you mess something up. And it's really easy to mess things up. You know. The ecological world is a complicated place. And it's hard to be the hub in the middle of that and to try to make the best decisions and to try to observe what's happening. I really wanted to have that feedback loop. I wanted those cows to tell me every day you know, how things were going. And so I put together a herd of uh, 18 cows. And I had never milked a cow before, by the way. I never been in a dairy barn. I came home, like, and there's a calf. And I didn't know what to do. So, you know, my friend Doug Flack, a neighbor down the road, you know, I convinced him to come bring his milking bucket over. And I did have the vacuum line. Everything was in. And he came over and, and showed me how to milk my cow. You know, 19 more cows calving any day, every single day from that point on. And uh, somehow, somehow made it through. And um, we're a 350 to 400-acre farm milking 45 cows and we've won a Gold Mill Quality Award every single year since we've been doing it. So, um, yeah.
0: Webb's Farm is part of Generation Organic, a program to nurture young farmers started by Organic Valley, the largest organic farmer-owned cooperative in North America, with annual sales of more than half a billion dollars, and also a sponsor of this series. The company provides the mentorship new farmers need to get started and become successful in the business of agriculture, sometimes in partnership with other committed organic companies such as Stonyfield Farm.
3: One of the unique aspects about Organic Valley as a co-op is that it's a farmer owned co-op and the unique aspect of the business structure is that you generate enough money you know, to pay the expenses and then you pay the farmers and then everybody else gets what's left. There's no sort of impetus within the business structure to cut corners and cheapen things. You know, the farmers set really set how we want to farm. And often cases, you know, it's, it's above and beyond the organic standards. We're looking into animal welfare things. We're increasing our pasture standards. We also have a partnership with research studies with Stonyfield where we're doing work on just as farmers trying to learn more about our cows and our impact they're having on the land base, what they're eating, but also specifically like from a atmospheric carbon sequestration, managing your cows in an intensive rotational grazing system, managing large tracts of land in constant vegetative vigorous growth the impact that, say, that would have on sequestering atmospheric carbon for moving your cows every 12 hours versus every 24, versus every four days. These are initiatives within the co-op, which is just, you know, an interest in taking those steps towards understanding that. We now are, are trying to actively involve the next generation of farmers. We built two cabins on our farm, and we have a posting on the Grow Food website and attract uh, farm interns every year who come and join us from May into November. And Melian and I have built a farm where it's just us two and our two interns. So.
0: Both Tyler Webb and Severin von Scharner Fleming participate in the National Young Farmers Coalition, pushing for policy changes to support new farmers by providing vital access to land, capital, and training. When we return, the new Back to the Land movement plows a path linking young rural farmers with young urban food justice advocates with a bold goal, make healthy local food available to everyone. This is Radical Patriotism, growing growers and seeding leaders for a real food future. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is made possible in part by John Masters Organics. Feel good about looking good. Learn more at johnmasters.com. Free distribution of this program is made possible in part by support from listeners like you. To explore more Bioneers radio shows and conference videos for free, visit Bioneers.org. 100,000 new growers is a long road a hoe. Growing Growers requires new strategies for next-generation farmers to connect with trainers and mentors and to support each other both online and on the ground. After years of traveling and working on farms around the world, Sarita Roll Schaefer and her husband Ethan had seen a need for an online networking service. With a laptop and $200, the Grow Food website was born. Farmers log on and set up profiles about what they're willing to teach and what they want to learn. In its first 10 years, Grow Food connected nearly 25,000 farmers with more than 2,500 farms and food projects in the U.S. and 54 other countries.
4: The best parts of you know running this organization simultaneously to training and, and farming ourselves was that we really got to see how some of the best models of teaching agriculture. And uh, one example that we came across is a uh, organic farm school in Paraguay. We were in Argentina working with a, a farm down there that teaches biointensive agriculture and met a teacher from this school in Paraguay who said, well, you know what, we, we do all the stuff that you're talking about with renewable energies, teaching kids how to do value-added, and uh, the really awesome thing about our model is that we're financially self-sufficient. And I was like, fin- fin- financially self-sufficient? Really? I turned to Ethan and I said, we've got to go to this place. I don't know how it's going to happen, but we're going to find out, you know, A, if they're telling the truth... And, um, B, how on earth they're doing it in Paraguay, of all places. And I had a year-long opportunity to work with these folks and go down. And it was, it was started by a microfinance organization. I think that's another key. Again, people coming from different industries, seeing through different eyes, who have different tools, approaching agriculture... And they started recruiting the children of their rural microcredit clients and started training them. So they have a school that operates 16 different microenterprises on the campus. The kids go to classes, but then they cycle through their sort of dairy area. They have a conference center where they're actually doing hospitality services. So they're learning that along the way. They run a farm stand. They sell into the urban markets in Asuncion and all of the money that comes back is then used to pay all their teachers' salaries and the tuition and all of the costs of running the school. So learning takes place in real life. like They're not disconnected from the realities that they're going to have to face when they're going into the market, which I think is really key.
0: When Sarita Roll Schaefer returned to the U.S., she started a farm business incubator program for small-scale Latino farmers in Washington state. Viva Farms now provides education, land, equipment, loans, and markets.
4: So, we actually buy produce from our farmers and help get them into markets that, you know, if they were doing their own volume alone, they wouldn't necessarily have a sufficient quantity to get into. So, we sell to local co ops, independent grocers. We have a produce market right on the farm, beautiful produce stand where you know farmers are able to interact directly with the customers. And it's kind of beautiful. The checkout really becomes the pulpit. So not only are we selling the product, creating a, a sustainable revenue model for our farms, but we get to tell the story of what we're doing, tell people what's going on in agriculture, and engage them in the work at a broader level than just buying produce from us.
0: Sarita Roll Schaefer. Because corporate food store chains have consistently failed to provide low-income communities with access to healthy and local food, Urban food deserts are suffering badly from the rising epidemic of obesity and chronic illness such as diabetes. Community-supported agriculture programs, farmers' markets, and grassroots food justice organizations are working to change that. The People's Grocery in West Oakland, California, was founded in 2002 to address the health and economic disparities of its diverse urban neighborhood by building a healthy and just local food system. Nikki Henderson is the People's Groceries Executive Director.
5: Part of getting people riled up and part of really tapping into the pulse and the lifeblood of a community is its youth. And throughout history, we've seen that. You know, Youth tend to be the most rowdy. They tend to be the ones who are really passionate. And so when People's Grocery first started, we were looking for youth that knew they needed something different but didn't quite know how to get it. And that was a beautiful way to set the stage for a conversation. Now, the conversation was happening in West Oakland. The public health department tried to do it. Schools were trying to do it. A bunch of people were trying to do it. But in terms of community-led food conversations, that hadn't really happened since the 80s. This was youth riding around in a van, the mobile market, if anybody remembers that, youth riding around in a van with hip-hop blasting really loud colors they were wearing, selling food on the corner. Right? Perfect outreach tool.
0: The People's Grocery first began working with high school students, teaching them about food and healthy eating. But as the saying goes, they found, it takes a village.
5: We shut down our youth program because we weren't getting results. The youth would be changed, but then if their parents who were buying the food weren't buying the kind of food that now they're jazzed about eating, it might last for another three months while they tried to argue with everyone around them to try to keep that lifestyle, then it would go away. And so that's why we now work with families. And we do that through a mixture of place-based work. So we have a garden that demonstrates what the change actually looks like. We have a leadership development program so people can hone their own ability to lead things that they care about. And we have a racial healing slash emotional intelligence program that can allow people to get through issues they have when it comes to interacting with other people. That's really important when dealing with communities of color and low-income communities. We're looking into getting board members who are way younger than me so that they can advise on the youth stuff. All but one of my staff is older than me. And the fact that we're such a mixed generational group, my ability to be a youth leader has quadrupled just in this short space of time because of what I've been pushed into, being in an intergenerational space and having different age groups all around me, having to push my leadership in a different place. And it's also allowed me as a peer in youth circles to really expand the possibility of what's possible in terms of social change. More importantly, I think it's bridged its gap between adults, very, very young children, and people who are kind of in the middle when it comes to how you cause social change together and how you be kind of a family structure in the youth organizing space and what the evolution of that looks like.
0: Nikki Henderson of The People's Grocery, which is now among the mushrooming numbers of urban outlets for real food, food that nourishes the body, the earth, and the people who produce and eat it. Food justice advocate Anim Steele seeks solutions to the growing disconnect between urban Americans and their food supply. He's director of national programs at a Boston-based nonprofit organization called The Food Project around the idea of teaching teens to grow food. Each year, The Food Project grows a quarter million pounds of organic produce to sell at farmers' markets and donates thousands of pounds to local hunger relief organizations. Steele has trained more than 700 young community leaders while forging a network of 5,000 young food activists and farmers. In 2008, Steele co-founded the Real Food Challenge to tap the power of students to move markets. Institutions of higher education spend $5 billion a year on food. The idea is to engage students to encourage colleges and universities across the U.S., to use their purchasing power to move the needle to a real food economy. The goal is to shift $1 billion of existing university food budgets towards local, community-based, fair, ecologically sound and humane food sources by 2020.
1: And we thought we could do it because students have power in this situation. They don't necessarily know it, but they are the ultimate customers, And we could do it if there is strong student leadership. In three years, we built a network of over 5,000 students at 350 colleges. Students supported by the Real Food Challenge have won $45 million in real food commitments from their universities. And I talked about the dollars we've shifted. Our goal and our estimation is that in 10 years, we could shift a $1 billion of annual food purchases, right? And also set a precedent for other kinds of institutions. We want to see this ripple effect uh, ripple out, because that's what ripple effects do. So we're beginning to wonder if this is one of the fastest ways to catalyze change in the system, right? Use existing food budgets, right? No new money, just change how it goes. And and I I suggest it's like a different kind of activism. It's like voting with your dollar, but instead of that, you're voting with a billion dollars, right? It's kind of like a boycott, but um, it's more like a pro cot, right? We're strategically investing in the kind of economy and, and social justice and environmental outcomes that we want. And I want to tell you that the Real Food Challenge is just one part of a larger food movement. One thing that we're doing now is to make sure everyone can be a part of this movement. So we're starting an an initiative called Live Real, Live Real allows people to go to a website or, and also meet people in person and say, this is the commitment I made in my life, right? I learned how to make jollof rice and I'm sharing with my neighbors. I'm giving up junk food and soda for 30 days. I'm starting a garden. I'm helping my elderly neighbor with their food purchases. I'm going to the grocery store for them. Whatever it is, where you are starting, where you begin, even the small thing, we're going to share that. We're going to build community. We're training, uh, investing the leadership of, of young people, especially those on the front lines. And I look forward to being in this movement, food, otherwise with you. Thank you very much.
0: Aneen Steele. With dirt under their nails and laptops at their fingertips, these young growers and food system entrepreneurs are espousing a radical patriotism. It seeks the greater self-sufficiency and self-determination founded in honoring the earth and justice. The checkout line is the pulpit. It runs on clean energy and pedal power and knows how to move markets. While youth are its pulse and lifeblood, it's intergenerational and family-friendly. Because when green turns to gray, new growth makes it green again. As the iconic conservationist and environmental visionary David Brower once said, I'm always impressed with what young people can accomplish before grown-ups tell them it's impossible. Radical patriotism, growing growers and seeding leaders for a real food future. listen to a variety of Bioneers radio shows view conference videos online at www.bioneers.org where you can also learn about attending the Bioneers conference or a local satellite conference near you. The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive Producer Kenny Osabell, Written by Catherine Stifter and Kenny Ausubel. Senior Producer Neil Harvey. Managing Producer Stephanie Welch. Production management, Aaron Leventman and Nicole Spangenberg. Station relations by Creative PR. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Original recordings provided by Focus Audiovisual. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Ricodisc label. Additional music was made available by The Bee Eaters at beeaters.com. This is program number 1212. This series is made possible by Organic Valley Family of Farms, organic and family-owned since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.coop and by Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues. For more information, Visit www.bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER.